0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rules of the Game, a podcast for Independent Education's Great Conversations Project, where your host, Butch Porter, that's me, has in-depth conversations with good people about great ideas. If you're listening to this on the Great Conversations page or on our Patreon, we're excited to have you. Please consider becoming a subscriber on either of those pages to get access to special content. Also, for your convenience, please add us to your podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Well, howdy,
0: how are you?
1: <laughs> Good morning, Buds. How are
0: you? Hey, look, we did the, uh, we did the like my head is four times as big as yours, <laughs> you know, so uh, I have to back up a little bit. Sorry about the snafus. Um, I had a fancy setup and, uh, it all went to, once you touch one cable, everything goes to H a double hockey six in a bread basket. So I'm, I'm back on my, uh, I'm back on the laptop, you know, just keeping it simple and you're on your phone,
1: right? You know, I'm on my phone. Yeah, Why do we I've got, got my it. vitamin got C drink and my Christmas tree behind me? I mean, you just gotta keep it simple and
0: That's right. Merry Christmas, by the way.
1: Merry Christmas. Oh my goodness, I'm really getting into the spirit, man. All the you- Amazon packages on my front porch.
0: Yeah, we have a like we have a UPS box. We don't get any, you know, in our front porch. We have to go to the box to get it. You know, sometimes sometimes we get excessively lazy. No, just send it straight to the house. i had a a home depot like a big i can't remember what it was it was something big that was supposed to be delivered at the house and i accidentally just sent it to ups and it i was like no i don't want to have to go over here it was like a refrigerator or something (laughs) so um so how are things you doing okay in tennessee
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I mean, life is good. It's just just been a really great month and so much excitement going on. And I just, oh my goodness. You know, I've always been somebody who is kind of not really great with technology. Like I'm somebody who's going to go do my grocery shopping in person. But the one thing the pandemic has really done for me has made it so that I order all my groceries, and everything's just streamlined, and right. I actually love it now. Do you? I'm even Amazoning my groceries. I feel so guilty for making Jeff Bezos the richest man in the world by billions of dollars, but I love Amazon.
0: Yeah, it is a great invention, and it is sad in the sense that you know we've come become fairly dependent upon it. You know, in a sense, right? Um anyway, I appreciate you doing this experiment with me uh live. I'm sure all like two people <coughs> watching and listening uh will appreciate the fact that we went live.
1: It's super nerve-wracking, I mean. Is it really? Well, I didn't have to take a Valium.
0: But That's cool. <laughs> Well, you are listening to Rules of the Game podcast. I'm your host Butch Porter. Uh, our names are on the screen. There's Jessica Hausberger. She doesn't capitalize her last name. It's because she, you know, she's modern. It's a modern, modern approach.
1: It's postmodern. I mean, it's it's that big of a deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> postmodern. Okay, so you know what we're talking about today, right?
1: No, I, I can't remember what you had said. And oh I no, love- you
0: don't know? No, okay. I don't know. So I wanted, I wanted to take the time, and this is unsettling because the there's like a, I don't know, 25, 45-second delay on the Facebook feed or whatever. So I don't know. Um, it's funny. I, I have to turn it off is what I have to do. So I won't be able to see any of those comments, those millions of comments from our avid listeners. So um, now I wanted to talk about the Identity in Ellen Page article that I wrote.
1: Okay. So yeah. can, give me a little bit of a background on it.
0: <laughs> As usual, so Jessica shows up 45 seconds before airtime and then my camera goes out and she's she's prepared. I was over-prepared. I shouldn't have prepared. I should have just opened up the laptop and press start, right, but you, unprepared.
1: There's something about spontaneity and just getting the information oh, in the moment that there. really makes it exciting. Well, I, wrote
0: an art- I wrote an article on great conversations called um, identity and Ellen page. Okay. okay. And um, my, my issue with the Ellen and Elliot page thing is not necessarily her feelings on the matter or what, you know, what she's trying to accomplish or who she is or, you know, I mean, I, Sure, she's a wonderful person. He is a wonderful person. However, you want to go, but the point is, is that there's more than just her and it going on. There's other factors at play.
1: Which, for the sake of our listeners, and maybe a little bit even for me, can you so just you fill us in on the whole Ellen
0: Pages? Do you know who Ellen, Ellen Pages? Is?
1: You know who Ellen
0: Page is? No. Okay. All right. Ellen <laughs> Pages is an actress. She's been around for uh, 20 years. She played a movie called Juno. It's like 2005, maybe. <gasps>
1: Yes, that was a cute movie. It
0: was an adorable movie. Michael Sarah plays the girlfriend. She gets knocked up. I mean, the boyfriend. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a girlfriend like in 15 minutes. But the point is that Ellen has decided to change her name to Elliot and be a boy. Okay? And that was decided, I don't know, a few weeks ago, right? Whoa, how old is she? Big news about it and everything. What's that?
1: How old is she?
0: she's younger than us. I mean, she's uh, maybe she's, maybe she's your age. Uh,
1: 30s, maybe
0: she's in her 30s at least. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. She's probably in her 30s. No, I don't think about it. Um. So, well, she was young. Yeah. She's, she was young in 2006, right? So, you know, yeah. yeah well, she's probably in her 30s. Okay. But the point is, is that <clears throat> not only, Industry come out And support her Change to a He <clears throat> um, They also went Back and changed the name You know Of all the things that she Had done or he had done Whatever you want to so, Okay It's the changing of history That sort of disturbs me Right I mean that's that's one thing. And the other is that is is the general principle of uh, of whether whether it's OK to believe something different. Right. I mean, there's 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 two different factors or, or several, actually. But the, the two big ones are, you know, respecting her as an individual and caring about what she thinks and about herself, which is fine. And I get that. But then just because I say that, oh, good for you. You're a he now. That doesn't mean I actually believe it, right? And if I don't believe it, what good does it do me to not admit that I don't believe it, right? And that's that's the part. So there's two kind of major problems. One is the thought crime concept. And two is whether going back and pretending that, for instance, um, apparently Caitlyn Jenner, <clears throat> According to a lot of news sites, uh, you know, won those Decapilons way back when. Not Bruce Jenner, Caitlin yeah. Jenner, right? <laughs> so that's just not true, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't. There's a lot of it about of it that bothers me, but um, the the thing is, is that it seems to be one of those things you can't say anymore. It seems to be one of those things that you just have to nod and say, Hey, look, <clears throat> good for him, you know,
1: and move on. Well, but and, you live in Virginia. I live in Tennessee. It's still perfectly acceptable to be like, What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What? <laughs> okay. No, like anything else, you know, it's a it's a deeply complex issue. It really is. And you know, I'm not a psychologist and I can't speak to it, but um, it, it does seem like there's a well-documented history, in particular, of of women who, um, which one is it that's more common? I think it's actually more common for men to misidentify as women, correct? That's a long, there's a long established history of that. And it's always been thought of as, as kind of a, a little bit of a brain disorder, of, of a malfunction, Whether it's Yeah, gender dysphoria
0: is the term, right?
1: Yeah, whether it's brought about through, you know, the whole nature versus nurture thing, you know, I think that there could be a little bit of a of a nature influence there, but I think most psychologists kind of agree that there's a really big nurture factor there that causes this issue and, and this issue causes so much stress and uncomfortability for the individual facing it. So I just feel like as a society, we our interests lie in asking the question, why does this take place? This, 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 uh, gender dysphoria, is that what it's called? The gender sure. dysphoria and you know, what can we do for it to not take place? Um, because, you know, not, not as a way of shaming those individuals, but as a way of making it so that people don't have to go through such an uncomfortable experience where they don't feel comfortable in their own skin with the way that, that, that they've been designed so beautifully by God or through biology, if that's, if you take a more secular view of it, but, um, it is, it's a complex issue. Um. You know i I feel like we should be able to talk about it really openly and talk about it objectively it it shouldn't be like personal and all about one person's experience um you know we should ask the questions why and, and and how can we do better moving forward as a society
0: yeah i was just reminded on the thread that uh that Umbrella Academy is the latest thing that, that Ellen Page has done. If you I've
1: heard it's great. I haven't seen it. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it.
0: It's a, it's a lot of fun. My son's a big fan. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. It is bigger than one person's experience. I think it, the challenge here is, and to be perfectly fair, is that she's famous, right? I mean, and there's a difference between someone, like I had some responses on one of the, I don't know, some Facebook group the other day, um, not complimentary to me uh, in my article, they weren't. They weren't happy with my expressions of uh, of uh, dissent, and I know that's shocking to all involved that someone might find my opinions um, unsavory. But you know, they basically relayed their own personal experience. You know, somebody had a a spouse or a significant other that had gone through a transition, and I'm not sure of what the genders were there. I I didn't follow it, but, um, but I get that. Right. I mean, I I, look, I'm not going to discount anyone's personal experiences, right? The the challenge is that the challenge is that, um, we kind of end up with, this is how I conclude the article. We kind of end up with three choices. We either, if we think differently about it, if I say someone born with XY chromosomes and a vagina or double X chromosomes and a vagina, whichever, um, is is a girl, then <clears throat> that's what I believe, right? And and we can talk about sex versus gender and, you know, the, that that's fine. But I still am going to think of maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy. Maybe I just can't be changed. I don't know. But if I think that way, then we have choices. Either I say, "Oh, good for you," you know, he's he's doing, you know, go Elliot, or I can say, "Yeah, not true," or I can I can um, eventually convince myself, right? Eventually, like nineteen eighty four, be convinced that there are actually five lights. You know, I can if I say it enough. Then I'll become convinced that a girl is a guy, and that's fine, uh, except for that's not really that. I mean, that's that has other implications, right? I mean, do we want to live in a world where that's the way it works, where you know, pretty much social pressure forces you to think of things differently? Because no. Is- yeah, no, I
1: don't okay. want to live in that world.
0: Well, there is the concept of objective truth, right? Do we do we know, you know, without a doubt, whether whether someone is one way or the other? Well, right. this
1: is where the left, to me, seems to be a little bit inconsistent, because they're always pointing their finger to it's science, it's science, and kind of science. how you mentioned you know, if you own a vagina, hey. and you have an X, XY uh, chromosome, then... Uh it's XY is female or XX is female. XY, so I
0: have that wrong, sorry. Okay.
1: XX is female. If you don't have that Y chromosome and you have a vagina, you know, <laughs> you are technically, scientifically a female. But but what we're addressing here is more of a psychology and, and whether or not people should be able to identify as a different gender. They might not necessarily be sure. saying scientifically no I'm a female. They that. might even say, you know, scientifically you know, I am a female, but for the social and psychological purposes, I feel like a man and I'd like to identify as a man. So this is a disorder of a, a disordered way of thinking. When science and psychology don't necessarily line up, we see a disorder there. Now, the sad part is, is that, you know, we're celebrating or as a society with her this decision. But what we're not looking at is we're not looking at the 20 or 25 years that came to this decision, the suicidal ideations, the the fears, the sense of rejection, the sense of inadequacy, the sense of identity misplacement, all of this pain and struggle, you know, and, you know, what is the solution to that? You know, what is a way to prevent that from happening? Or is it a possibility? You know, the first experience I really ever had with this whole concept of, transgenderism was really interesting, but when I moved to Nashville, um I was going through a little bit more of a of a liberal spell, especially mm-hmm. spiritually. I wanted to I really wanted to be able to worship with a wide variety of people. So sure. I decided to attend this Unitarian Universalist Church in Nashville and attended that church for two years. Um, this right. was about a decade ago. And during that time I was uh, sitting in the the congregation one Sunday and a professor from Vanderbilt got up to speak and he was very eloquent and just a very loving man and and began to spoke about his experiences attending Liberty University, which is a school that I also attended and his experiences growing up in Pennsylvania and his suicidal ideations, all of this. And then as the sermon began began to unfold and develop, he revealed about halfway through that he was in fact a biological female and that, right. you know, he it had taken him this long, it, but the, but the story was emotionally extremely compelling. He had grown up in a way overly strict, very non-loving I say Christian sure. environment but really right. a legalistic harmful environment. And she at the time wanted to kill herself. She just right. wanted to die. And she saw Jerry Falwell who is the you know was the president of Liberty University on TV talking about how he could fix homosexuals or there was ways to do that. And so she was very confused about her gender and her sexuality, but saw this on TV and thought, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe I can get healed. And then she went to Liberty, again, just became devastated there and talked about this journey in a way that was loving and intelligent and compelling and really made me empathetic to the individual experience of gender dysphoria. Right. And so... I want to divorce two concepts. Number one, how we approach the individuals in our lives. For me, that's with compassion and wanting to understand their personal experience and wanting to support them and to know more. And then how we as a society approach the the problem and the dysfunction and the disorder of things that are outside what we would see as psychologically and and biologically normal because typically those things cause a lot of pain and suffering and anguish and disorder for individuals and society does that make sense
0: no it makes perfect sense and i i agree i think uh and i said it in the article because nobody reads these disclaimers and articles right you know this these points where i make it clear um that the concern is a real one. We should show compassion and care for anyone who has reached a point where this kind of drastic measure, a sex change or a gender transition is deemed necessary. It really doesn't matter whether we consider it. It doesn't matter what we consider it. At some point, homosexuality was considered um, like evil, right? Like an evil, like from Satan or whatever, right? I mean, that that was a thing. And then it was considered a disease and then it, then just a disorder. and then And then it became... You know more considered You know uh, Normal because they're born that way or whatever And and that's the And that's the issue I have is that You know there's this biological Question And uh, when it comes to Gender these days We get really confused About Whether it's something that's I mean I, I don't think that <clears throat> The zeitgeist can make up its mind <clears throat> Whether it's something that People are born that way and they can't do anything about it <clears throat> or they are or they're it's fluid. Like the whole gender fluidity thing where they can, you know, people can sort of choose how they direct their path and their own individual choice. And there's 75 different genders. You know, biology doesn't cause those things logically. Right. So, so let's
1: look at that for a minute. Let's look at that. Yeah. Let's look at. So That's biologically. I'm trying
0: to figure out.
1: And I'm not like agreeing or disagreeing with you. I'm mostly just looking to explore this with you because I, yeah, like, like we've already said, I haven't started thinking about it until we were on no. air. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> but biologically,
1: is. we are assigned a sex, and, and that we can all agree on. So we all have a sex. Can we? Uh, You know, there are exceptions to that too. But those exceptions are extremely rare. And, um, you know, that would be a different topic for another day. A very exciting one, indeed. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, beyond biological sex, so let's take a look at gender. Let's take a look at the degree to which gender is fluid. Um, There are, in our society, we have masculine attributes and we have feminine attributes. Agree? Sure. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah and so you know to a certain extent those attributes are determined by our biology they're like a natural offshoot of our biology like you have more testosterone so you tend to act this way or you have more estrogen so you tend to act this way so to a certain degree those attributes are biologically influenced and then and then beyond that societies and different cultures kind of affirm some of those attributes that are already predetermined to a certain extent by our biology and then maybe even society kind of goes a little bit beyond that sometimes and really reinforces those attributes Mm -hmm. to such an extent that they become almost stereotypes like okay this is the feminine thing you do this is the masculine thing you do and now i think we live in a day and age where it's kind of cool that at least as a female i can say there's never been a time where I feel very comfortable in in embracing all of the feminine attributes. Like I feel like society encourages that and is very comfortable with me being emotional and being all of the things that a female is supposed to be, you know? Sure. But also our society, I feel like females are lucky right now. Our society is also okay with women being leaders, assertive, risk takers, powerful, shooting guns, doing whatever we want to do. And
0: those are are male qualities, right? That's the, I mean, that's the, that's the assumption, right? Is that, is that, you know, those are male qualities and we're perfectly fine and actually encourage from a very young age, women taking on those qualities. And I think what's, what's challenging to me is, and I had, I, I, I agree with you completely. I don't, I, I completely get um, roles, right? And I understand that not everybody's going to play a role that their biology expects them to play. But, you know, so if a girl wants to do guy things or a guy wants to do girl things, I, I've never had any problem with that. I have no, and I don't even, the, the dressing and the, what none of that bothers me. What I, What I'm concerned with is somebody telling me that I have to think about it a certain way. Right. So that that's the that's the that's where I get that's where I get a little antsy because, yes, I see a guy acting like a girl or doing girl things or and I have no problem with it. But that's different than than me saying, well, that guy has now magically become a girl. And if that has (laughs) happened or that guy has always been a girl, like we've always been at war with Eurasia, you know, I mean. It was always Elliot Page, even in 2006, obviously Elliot Page. As Ellen Page was playing in this movie, a guy playing a girl, a pregnant girl.
1: So your problem is not even with gender fluidity going to extremes and males and females adopting some of the attributes of each other, but your problem from what I'm hearing is a lot more when human beings are intervening they're using hormones, surgery, and well, whatever else to that. actually try to reach in and change the sex of a person and declare them well their new biological sex to have moved from this to this. Is that correct?
0: No, that's not what I'm I haven't said that. Although all that's probably true, I haven't covered any of that. What I'm saying is even even like leaving aside the sex transition, which is kind of a different issue. Um saying that I'm a boy now and you have to treat me like a boy. You have to call me a boy. You have to call me the boy in the third person, not in my presence. You have to say my boy name that that's fine to a point. Right. And I, and I want to be respectful for anybody. If it's somebody I know and somebody I interact with that, I want to refer to them however they want to be referred to. And I get all that, but pretend, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe something that isn't true. Right. So if you, if you're a believer in objective truth, and you believe that's a girl who wants to be a guy, then, you know, it's still a girl, even if we're gonna call it a guy, right? So that's that's what I'm talking about now. Now, now the other issue, which you just brought up, is an even touchier one, and I think a more valid complaint with the current challenge. And the current challenge, you mentioned that historically, you know, transgenderism has been mostly guys wanting to be girls that used to be true. But now there's a, there's a huge, huge trend of girls wanting to be guys. And they're happening in little clusters, little teenage clusters. And there have been studies that show that these things are happening socially and not, it's not like all this culture of girls, like it wasn't something in the water that made them, it's a social thing. And And on that count, when we're talking about people who haven't even been through puberty yet or people who are going through puberty or barely, I completely agree that you should not be giving them hormones and blah, blah, blah. I I think that's a horrible idea. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on television. I'm not a psychiatrist either. But when when you start encouraging prepubescent children to change their sex, through hormones. I that's where that's where I'm gonna call nonsense. I I just don't think that's a good idea because there's you know, because we just don't I mean everybody has problems going through puberty. It's a thing. It's 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 a a really
1: angsty time, you know? And I mean, I feel sorry for kids today. I mean, I know everybody always says that, and I'm sure there's a lot of advantages to growing up today to go along with some of these disadvantages. But the fact of the matter is, is that one of the things kids have to deal with today that we didn't have to deal with is living in what we call the information age and just being inundated with options. Feeling angsty today? Try this. <laughs> Not happy with yourself today? Try this. Sure. When we were sure. kids, it was like, if you weren't happy, well, then you know maybe you snuck outside and and smoked a a marble menthol that your friend got from her dad's dresser drawer or something, you know, now it's like, you know, we've got lots of things for you to try. How about another gender? Um, I'll never forget the day I'm standing in the, the foyer of my home here and a family who used to live here in town and they had two boys and the older boy <clears throat> come over one day. And <clears throat> I was like, well, don't you look nice today? And I didn't really think anything in particular about the way he was looked looked, but he said to me, well, thank you. I'm transgender. <laughs> <laughs> he did have longer hair, which I thought was beautiful. I, th- I think I said something, you know, I was trying to affirm his identity. Not that I knew it was transgender, but I was just trying to make him feel comfortable. And I said, I really like your hair today. It looks really nice. Um, and he said, thank you. I'm transgender. I don't- didn't know if you knew. And he's eight years old, and I was so taken aback. Whoa! I'm sorry, he's eight. Yeah, I was so. so This was this was about three or four years ago, and and my daughter at the time was probably about five or six. Right. And so she started saying, "Oh yeah, he's transgender, mom. Everybody at school knows he's transgender," and I was just like, "I cannot believe I have to have this conversation right now." But okay. Um. You know, I think sometimes as parents, when kids are so young, we're tempted to just really break it down and almost be a little defensive. I was just like, "Uh, okay, yeah, whatever. He's not that. Let's move on. You know, like I wasn't ready to have this conversation at all, but I also didn't want to hurt this little boy's feelings. And I was just like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, we accept you exactly as you are. And, you know, you're welcome in our home anytime. Now, his little brother, who was a couple years younger, was also coming over to the house and was very angry. That's the only way I can explain. This little boy was in a constant rage. So the older brother was ultra feminine to the point of wanting to switch his gender. And the younger brother was in this overly masculine, toxic rage as a five-year-old. I was like, they would come over and I'd be like... Who wants some hot fries from the oven for our transgender and angry friends? Um, but you know, you just kind of roll with it, yeah. Christmas yeah, cookies, anyone? Um, and then, uh, you know, came to find out through the kids. Kids will tell you everything that goes on at everybody's house, and sure, that's why I'm so humble, is because all my neighbors know what's actually happening here. In that's right, house. that's right, everybody. But, um, can't come to find out that this boy's dad had a very short temper. Oh, he's always okay. really, oh, he's mad. He wants to be left alone and watch his video games. and sure. He's always on the computer and doesn't want to be bothered. And he's very angry. Anyway, there's a lot of psychological evidence that, that implies, and I, I'm not saying this to be insensitive to my homosexual friends, or the parents of my homosexual friends, or transgender friends. This is really psychologically demonstrated over and over again. That the most common, the most common situation you have is you have like a situation usually, in this situation it was the opposite, but usually the oldest son in the family identifies with the dad who's usually distant, or abusive, or an addict, Sure. And it becomes this ultra toxic type of masculinity that we hear about. That's emotionally unavailable. And then the second son sees that in his older brother, doesn't want to be like that, doesn't want to be like his dad and over identifies with his mother, who's usually more enabling the the, the type of woman who's married to a man who's angry or addictive, over identifies with the mother and takes on either more homosexual or more gender dysphoria type of issues, over and over again, you see, actually what you see is son, daughter, son, and it's that third son, that that third child, which is the second son, nine times out of 10, homosexual or transgender. If you know a gay man, ask him. He's probably the second son in the family. It's not every single time, but my friends who are uh, psychoanalysts Tell me, Jessica, this is the pattern over and over again. Right. And what's happening is the boy is over identifying with the mother. Now, something has happened in our society where it, we've we've complained about this a little bit, where we say, okay, we, we want men to be able to have these female attributes, right? Like how women, I said before, like I'm allowed to be masculine, I'm allowed to be feminine. And we're like, okay, we want men to be able to be comfortable with all of this too. But what we hear on the other side of that is this kind of this complaint that men aren't allowed to be men anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the that's part of the challenge I've had with, and this is a different topic, which we can, you know, dig further another day if we need to. But, uh, you know, um, Jordan Peterson got, got in a lot of trouble t- with talking about women in the workforce, right, and what we should do, what we shouldn't do. Do we really know the rules? And He's like, we really don't know the rules. I mean, we think we do but we haven't been doing it long enough. We're talking about one generation, maybe two generations, right? And that's not long enough to really know the best way to do it, you know, and, um, but I agree. I think, I think there is a challenge where we encourage young girls, i said this a while ago, to take on masculine qualities. I mean, how, how often do you see, you know, tough girl, girl power, be assertive, be, you know, be strong, be aggressive you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and then, but when men are aggressive, then it's toxic masculinity or it's mansplaining or it's, you know, whatever. But we're supposed to take on female qualities and ditch our our masculine qualities. And girls are supposed to take on both. They're supposed to do both, right? Because why not? Yeah, men are
1: almost in a lose-lose. I I still think that-
0: I mean, I do get my check from the patriarchy every month. I mean, there's a, there, I mean, it's cool to be in that club. We have meetings once a quarter. Uh, it's this big zoom call uh, where we decide your fate as a woman, <laughs> and what you get to do and what you don't. But uh, other than that check and those planning calls that we do once a quarter to uh, uh, then I, I don't see how, what we're getting out of it, frankly.
1: Well, so this is how I kind of view things is like, right now, the magic bullet for success as a human being, regardless of whether you're male or female, and this isn't because of patriarch or a matriarchy, is that a thing? It's just because of of science (laughs) and the way that society and biology has all evolved together. But the magic bullet right now is to have these strong leadership abilities, but then also strong communication abilities. And because of the way males and females have evolved, women more often than men are masterful communicators. I I always say, go back to, I don't know enough about evolutionary anthropological biology, but go back 15,000 years and you've got all the women are gathered around the campfire, nursing their babies and communicating with each other and supporting each other and and working interdependently and and, and lovingly. And then all the men are out trying to help everybody survive by trying to kill animals with their bare hands and working together in tribal groups. And I'm telling, and if you acted like a, a wuss, I'm using that word because I don't want to use the other word. If you're acting like a wuss in the man group, I mean, they're literally just gonna leave you to die. Like men don't necessarily, from a biological standpoint, have a lot of wiggle room to not act tough. And men, we know, see e- e- emotionalism and vulnerability as weakness, you know? And and, yeah. and, and they, they don't, I have to remind myself of that all the time when I'm like, when I'm like la 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 to my husband and I think he's gonna respond like a female and he just goes, yeah. And I I, I look at him and I see, I'm like, there you go. He's, he's a good, healthy man because 15,000 years ago, he would have survived in the tribe. He would have been able to murder an animal with his hands. And and that's good. Sure. yeah And the thing is, is that if,
0: if we're going to take full advantage of women in the workforce, right. Then we have to take the strengths of women and use them appropriately. Right. And that's, that's what, you know, because we don't have those strengths and women do and, but it doesn't some men do.
1: It. I, that's what I wanted to well, get at. Men some do, men you know, are masterful communicators, and absolutely. those are the people who run this society because men are, are natural leaders. They've got the history sure. of leadership behind them. So men who are great communicators, they the world is their oyster, really. Right. You know. And then all of women, and then the men who can't communicate. That's the lineup.
0: <laughs> that's the lineup. Well, no, it's, it's true. Um, but you know, it's, it's that bell curve thing, right? I mean, if you, if you, if you're, if you're tracking aggression, right, then, and assertiveness and decisiveness, which is an issue when it comes to leadership, decisiveness and, and resolve leadership, etc. all those things. I mean, if you take those, especially the aggression quality is the easiest one to sort of, you know, sort of anthropologically, you know, measure. I mean, there are a lot of women I know that are way aggressive than your average man, right? But out of a million people, if you look at the 100 most aggressive people, then they're all going to be men, right? That's the that's the nature of the that's the nature of it. So, I mean, it's just like sports, you know. If you, and that's the other issue with the transgender thing, of course, is competitive sports, which I I just think is, you know, that's that's another easy. Um, easy box to check where we, that's that's where you've gone a little too far. If if biological men are competing in women's sports, then because it's just not, yeah, you know, it's not, cool. It kills women's sports, right? I mean, do we care about women's sports or do we not? I mean, either we do or we don't, right? And that's where we have to make decisions about we what. No,
1: no, I'm kidding. The
0: you <laughs> don't you don't care about. I always women's think sports. of like, no, I do. Raising two but I always $2.
1: feel bad for like women's collegiate basketball, you know.
0: Oh, no, we don't care about that. No, not at all.
1: I watch men's sports. Kevin,
0: you have to care about women's basketball,
1: right? I, I mean, I, I I love basketball, but, you know, we are, as a society, we watch men play sports, and there's a reason why we watch men play sports. We want to see athleticism. I, I don't watch any female sports, uh, except for, I will say, in the Olympics.
0: Gymnastics.
1: Gymnastics, Gymnastics is about as athletic as you can get as a human being. And,
0: and I so. can't. It's my favorite sport in the Olympics because the absolute, like almost um, ungodly skill and, and athleticism that is involved in gymnastics is always astounded me. So I've always liked gymnastics. Women's gymnastics. I don't watch the dudes. I mean, who cares? Who wants to watch a dude do a floor exercise? I mean, Seriously.
1: But women's sports already has enough of a time struggling. Nobody's really watching a lot of it. We watch, we tend to watch women play tennis or gymnastics, but mostly we're watching men play basketball, baseball, football, Football. hockey. So women's sports should be protected from men who want to play it. I mean, I'm sorry, but just that's, that's so that's, there's a word for it. I'll use the word wuss again, but I'm just like, seriously, like that's fine if you want to identify as a female yeah, in yeah, your spare time in your private either, life. But either you don't be infiltrate be in women's sports. That's either sad. be in
0: professional sports or change your gender. You can't do both.
1: No, men are both. a lot more strong and athletic than women are. You know, not every <clears> single male is more athletic than every single female, but across the board, you know, there are differences biologically. You know, I always point to the fact that men commit what 98% of the world's violent crime. Men are like made much differently than females.
0: And we also uh experience ninety-eight percent of the military deaths too. Mm-hmm. Those two things yes. kind of come hand in hand, right?
1: Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we need to look at these things and, and value the differences in the genders. And if gender becomes utterly fluid, and by utterly fluid I mean just you mean where it just actually supersedes biology, you know, then yeah. then, then, where do we draw the line? Is race also utterly fluid? There's no such thing as being black and white. Well, then why actually, do black lives matter? Black lives race, aren't a thing.
0: Race is not even a thing. I'm black, too.
1: I identify as yeah. black because we've I like grown, childish Gambino.
0: We've known that race is not a thing since the 1830s. Mm-hmm. Right? What about
1: age? Is age really a thing? I mean, age
0: is kind of a thing. I take really good care of myself
1: and eat healthy foods. So I think I'm going to identify more 31 ish. Right. From here on out, I'd like you to put on any information moving forward. 31. 31.
0: Jessica Hausberger, 31. Right. I was
1: born in 1989. That's
0: right. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. My, my
0: son was born in 89. Yeah, that's... Uh,
1: I was not around when the Challenger exploded in 1985. I was not there in 1987 when the Cleveland Browns lost the playoffs against the Denver Broncos when Ernest Beiner fumbled on the one-yard line. I was not there for these saw, things,
0: You saw a video about it. That's how you know.
1: That's... Yeah. You know, I... uh
0: Challenger, man. Challenger's a big one. Um, So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think... Well, no. Eight. I remember some guy wanting to identify as a six-year-old girl one time. That was <laughs> like, a, like a guy in his fifties, and he he said he identified as a six-year-old girl. And I'm like, what could go wrong? Why not? I mean, you know. Well, no. Age age has a. Um, okay, let's let's parse through that. Age hasn't has an objective truth to it, right? You look at your birth certificate. X amount of time has passed. I mean, does that not mean anything? I mean, it has to mean something,
1: right? No, it means nothing, Butch.
0: i be an ageist.
1: I am. I mean, there are days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I totally feel like, I totally feel like a 70 year old man today. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I did a crossword puzzle. I drank a glass of whiskey and thought about <laughs> purchasing a cigar. It's that does all not about mean I'm a 65-year-old man all of a sudden. It just means that, you know. But anyway, this is not to insult people who have a genuine dysphoria. And and I guess unlike gender dysphoria, we don't see a racial dysphoria and we don't really see an age dysphoria so much if it does exist it must be rare. So we do have to identify what is actually we have to address what is actually taking place. And I think sometimes it could be a bit of a red herring when we say, oh well what about this or this or that? Well if they're not a problem then they be. don't really matter. So we have to look at what well, is a problem. It, the reason gender dysphoria is
0: the reason it's such a challenge is because of of the I mean it's it starts with the feminism right it starts with feminism and the and the roles that had to be changed in order to accommodate doubling the workforce which i am I think it starts of.
1: with atheism but is you know i sat down with my two-year-old before Whoa. he went to school today atheism? It, do what
0: it starts with atheism yes but let me
1: explain I, I sat down with my two-year-old before school this morning and he wanted to read this little lamb bible book and i pulled it out and in one of the little pages it says um you know, you were God created all things beautiful, and God made you. And I tapped him on his chest, and I said, "God made you perfectly, just the way that you are." Sure. He looked up at me with wonderment in his eyes, like, "Wow, that's cool." And I thought to myself, "Gosh, I hope I've communicated that to him in the past." But he really looked at me like, "Great, it's good to know that I was created by a God, and that I'm not just some incidental specimen here, sitting on my." you know, rec room couch. And so I think, you know, when we teach children, when we take away, there's something about human beings that whether you really have a strong faith in a God or not, there's something about human beings that just want to know the basics. They just want to know, look, you are loved. There's a God out there. There's purpose for your life. When we start to take that away and rip that away from people, because science it's science, that eventually will be like, oh my gosh, am I a boy or a girl? Um, because, like, where is this headed? Because of science, we tell them there's no God. Um, then, when they're like 13, 14, 15, they're like, oh, I'm not important. You know, maybe I'll make a sex tape, or maybe I'll change my gender. Maybe I'll shave my head. You know, it starts with there is no God. And then when there is no God, I think that leads to feminism because then all of a sudden everything becomes about power, power struggles on earth that really don't mean anything. It When you believe in yourself and you believe who you are and you love yourself, we hear this a lot, like when you love yourself, you're going to have a great life, right? Well, loving yourself means understanding that you are uniquely and beautifully made by God. That's the only way you can love yourself. Sure. Every other way of loving yourself... It's just going to be pathetic and miserable and self-centered. It's just really loving God and understanding, respecting God enough to know that he made you just the way he wanted you. And that is a unique type of self-esteem that atheism doesn't really offer.
0: I don't know though. There are, there are atheists that are, you know, that agree with me on this whole thing. So where do they say that it, that it stems from? Well, right. there's deeply
1: reasonable people out there for sure who are. Well,
0: I think I think maybe they just put the biology first, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. kind of three different. There's the mind, body, and soul, right? So the the you know the body part is relevant, and that's kind of the part that I very often focus on. The the mind part and our will and our determination to mold the world how we make it uh, is is another part, and then the spirit is is a part that you know, makes it all worthwhile. I think maybe our friends in the, you know, the, the uh, liberal center, most of them are evolutionary biologists or psychologists. And a lot of them are atheists. They also, you know, kind of do this when it comes, you know, to this, you must call a he or she kind of thing, or you're, you're being. uh, This is crazy.
1: I think evolutionary biologists are so insightful and interesting and. Yep. I feel like evolutionary biology is this um, could provide amazing insights into human beings and what we struggle with. And yeah. um, that there should be no shame in that and that if we as, as a society are so short sighted, that we think it's more important to protect everybody's feelings than to advance in insights and become better as a society, then how pathetic is that? That's kind of pathetic.
0: Well, it is it is short sighted. It is. Um, and this is why it becomes kind of rough when we're talking about famous people. Right. Because, you know, it it brings all of us into the conversation, whether we like it or not. We have to talk about them in the third person because we don't know them. Right. And so when people start conflating these individual ideas with these famous people who are pushing this, you know, uh, this uh you know, changing history on us. Um, I, I think, I think it becomes, it becomes a challenge because we do take our eye off the ball about human flourishing, right. And what it means for society to, like you said, to advance, to, to become better, but also it, it stifles our ability to become better people individually. Right. I mean, the the truth is to pursue good in the world is at least partially attuned to pursuing truth. Right. Mm -hmm. So once you tell someone that truth doesn't really matter, only people's opinions of it and feelings about it matter. And your job is to navigate those feelings and those opinions as opposed to seeking objective capital T truth then it, it doesn't make it impossible to be a good person, but it does make it harder. It does make it harder for people, especially of faith, or of people who, um, you know, follow the biology and follow the evolutionary biology, if you will. It makes it harder for them to fit in because everything, the big T is considered irrelevant and all we're concerned about is making sure everybody's pursuing their true self or their their individual you, or whatever. And it's all over. I mean, any commercial you watch has, all of it is about this atomization and this, I'm just going to be my unique me. You know, I'm going to be real or whatever. And none of that is, uh, it's not all bad. There's some value to it. We all want to be unique individuals, and I perfectly uh, understand that. But there's the other component of pursuing what is true and what is good, right? And so if we're if we're told we can't do that, then it makes it it makes it hard to have a productive conversation about really anything, right? And then in the end, we're we're being told, you know, how many lights there are. That's a reference, by the way, if you know, four lights, 1984, Star Trek the next generation, right? Um, you know, you torture somebody and you uh, until they until they are uh, convinced that there's something there that's not right.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean, this really goes back to something that has been a theme for me this entire year, and that's the importance yeah. of diversity in thought and and you know, in not having to bully people into scientific truth. You know, science is a is an ever changing landscape of information. And, you know, last I checked, we weren't like, there was no announcement, like, we'd like to make an official announcement. We've collected all of the data it's in for the entire universe. No. There's nothing left here to see people. And we, we have science here. We're, and, and this is the science. Let's just tell you what it is, really. It's a changing landscape. We've got access to maybe 10% of it, you know, so, so arriving at science is not a thing. Science is a journey. It's sure. a journey. And we're always learning. And so therefore we have to keep a humility in our on our belief system. And I think you and I have to have that, you know, um, even as we approach this gender dysphoria, but that just makes us more emotionally cautious. I think, you know, I think to look at something that really flies in the face of just basic truths and to celebrate it, is a little bit odd um, to maybe practice a level of acceptance and compassion. Sure, is is judicious. Big, big, but, fan
0: of, big fan of that.
1: But to to put somebody on the cover of a magazine and say you did something heroic by changing your gender or whatnot, that that really alters the definition of what hero, heroism is. You know, heroism is doing something self-sacrificial for other people. Sure. It's, it's taking one for the team. Well, it's not you know. self-celebration. That's not yeah. heroism. Well I don't vid- want to change these these traditional definitions of words into something that's just doesn't sound like truth to me. Truth tends to ring true. But Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of whatever magazine with her very, very hair lovely. all over the place, like I'm special, I'm just Caitlyn. does not ring true to me. But
0: yeah, it's uh, it is a challenge. I think um, we watched a movie uh, for um, our reading group. You may have heard of it um, this week, <laughs> but um, we watched um, we watched Inherit the Wind, uh, which was about the scopes monkey trial. And if you haven't had a chance to watch that, I, I do recommend it. It's um, it, it was funny because in the same week we watched a, a movie by the same director uh, called judgment at Nuremberg. And it was the same year. I mean, it was the, it was the following year and it had the same kind of central character. Um, uh, uh, Spencer Tracy. Right. And in both cases, he's the reasonable guy in the room and, and he really does strike a fantastic balance uh, in both movies. Um, but same director a year apart. They managed to make Christians in Mississippi, um, you know, less uh, uh, sympathetic than Nazis in Germany in 1947. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty Amazing. Like, I don't, know, I don't know how you do that, but they, they did. They made it, you know it was an exaggerated version of the case. There were some, there were some things that actually happened, but William Jennings Bryant is the central character who is supporting the prosecution against this teacher. And uh, in the real, the real story uh, in the movie, they changed the names and they moved it to Mississippi instead of Tennessee. And, and uh, cause it was hotter. And I guess it was, you know, they could, everybody could sweat and it was fine. Uh, and, you know, it's, cheaper, uh, cheaper makeup, I guess. They just move it to Mississippi. Plus they can make it look that much more country. You know, apparently they're even country in Mississippi. It's just right across the border, but it makes a difference. But <laughs> um, but they really did, I mean their scientism is is the issue at play there. And this belief, which was caricatured in the movie, of course, because you know flyover country started, you know, way, you know, that's that's an old thing that Folks in the middle of the country don't, they're just a bunch of country bumpkins that don't know anything and they're just clinging to their gods and their guns and blah, blah, blah. So, but the issue was that scientism comes up a few times, this concept that science has all the answers for us. And and it was dismissed pretty thoroughly, you know, in the film. But one thing that does come out of the film that we all can learn from is this concept of adjudicating people's thoughts you know if if we're controlling what people say then we're controlling how they think that's the long and short of it if we're telling people that they have to say a certain thing because if you don't you're being disrespectful then we are telling them how to think you may not believe that you may you can argue with me till the sun you know till the cows come home the pigs and fly to frozen hell or whatever it's, it's true. If you tell people what to say, you tell them how to think. That's why we have a First Amendment, right? So I know no one's getting put in jail for calling Elliot, Elliot Ellen or whatever, and I get that. But this tendency to pretend that the singular and only consideration is one individual's thought about themselves and that there's not other things at play then i i think that's where that's where it kind of goes off the rails um
1: i think they've taken the concept of to thine own self be true a little too far but well let me ask you this then because the things that i say social media has become especially in the year of a pandemic a place where people say so many of the things that they want to say or need to say but whether it's directly through what we think of now as Facebook censorship or whatever, or whether it's indirectly, which which means trying to avoid the negative feedback of all the people on your friends list, social media has become naturally this very censored environment where people, most people, I would say the vast majority of people are very careful with not saying anything, not bringing up these topics, not expressing their opinions on here, and when they do, Like there is that the punishment, there is that social impact of, and each time they get punished, mm, you shouldn't do, I'm not gonna do this again. So that inadvertent or direct, depending on how you're looking at it, censorship in social media, which some would argue is the most important way that we communicate in 2020. How do you think that will begin to impact how we think based on what you just said?
0: I think it does. And I think that's why we have to talk about these things, right? I mean, in other words, and and you, you just had, you just told stories about children. I mean, how we're talking about it and the fact that we're talking about it um, impacts how our children are going to end up thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we, the, the issue is that you, you said it earlier, you know, diversity and diversity and thought, right? It's not diversity of all those other things and not I mean, if you had diversity in all those other things, but everybody thinks exactly the same way, then you don't have diversity at all in my opinion, right? But it is, it is is incumbent upon us to have the hard conversations, the tough conversations, may I uh, say the great conversations, which are almost always tough conversations, right? And, you know, Sophia uh, Nelson and I talked about it a few weeks ago. If you're gonna have tough conversations, if you're going to have conversations about big ideas, they're going to be hard and people are going to disagree. And uh, there's going to be different points of view. And that subject object problem uh, comes up over and over and over again. But like, you know, but don't forget Butch's number one rule. And that is two things can be true at the same time. You know, someone can actually really believe that they need to make a change in something as drastic as their sexual or gender identification. And they can be a caring, loving, intelligent, thoughtful person, and we can care about them and love them and care about them and and be compassionate towards them. Uh, and at the same time, I can believe that their sex hasn't changed and their gender hasn't changed. That Those two things can both be true. Mm-hmm. And if they can't be true. then we're, we're at a spot where... where We've like you said we've decided what the truth is already and we're just kind of we're just kind of going through the motions to make everybody feel good about it And that's just not that's not the way I want my Society to operate and that's not the the society I want my kids to grow up in or raise their kids in you know Um, That's that's the whole point So we're at uh, we're past the hour mark. Uh, I'm sorry about the technical snafus Everything was going famous until you showed up and everything blew up. So, you know, it was all your fault. But, no, it worked out okay. And uh, our first live uh, live Rules of the Game podcast, for those of you who are um, – do you have anything else you want to cover? Or you, or you got everything off your chest? No,
1: I think we did a good job of covering the topic. And just thanks for having me on, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, no problem. I mean, you were so prepared. Uh, you know you knew exactly the issues a lot of moment. notes and <laughs> That's right. things notes to it just goes to show you you don't have to be Jessica you know you know you can talk off the cuff and everything will be fine well i appreciate it uh, it's always a pleasure and a joy and merry christmas to you and yours
1: same to
0: you and for those who are listening or those who are watching please go have a great conversation but play by, by the rules yours. Thanks for listening to Rules of the Game. Please give us a five-star review and share with all your friends who are interested in thoughtful and entertaining discussions. Be sure also to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash rules of the game and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rotgpodcast. If you're interested in joining the conversation as a contributor or lively discussions with other thoughtful citizens, then go to greatconversations.us. Also, last but certainly not least, check out our sponsor and benefactor, Independent Education, at Indead.us, where they mastered the art of the micro school before it was cool.